Welcome to your favorite F word podcast, where we dive deep into conversations around food, fitness, feelings, with the occasional fuck thrown in. We're your hosts, Sarah and Nicola, owners of Paradigm Nutrition and Performance, nutrition coaches, besties, and most importantly, humans. This show is for coaches, self-growth-oriented folks, active humans, or anyone looking to deepen their understanding and relationship with food, movement, and themselves. Thanks for tuning in, and we cannot wait to share this space with you. Hello, how are we everyone? Sarah is doing jazz hands and we are back from a little hiatus while Sarah gallivanted the world, specifically the Europe region. Um, yeah. And now she's back and she's tanned and annoying, <laughs> regaling us with her tales of hot tubs in Greece and pizza. And to be fair, I tried not experiences. to post too, too much. Yeah, yeah, you did a good job of that. It wasn't like overwhelming, but um, until I get those hot tub nudes, (laughs) I'll be pissed. I said that was between us and Brad and I. Come on. Well, no one else has to see them. Right. And no one listens to the podcast anyways. True. This is is a test. We did say, how many people are listening these days? We'll throw in a little test to see who's still here. If you're listening, DM us or tell us you listened to this when you converse with us. All you have to do is slide into Sarah's DMs and say, send nudes. Yeah. (laughs) There was on the airplane, there was a Bluetooth thing that was like, send nudes, dare ya. Like that was like phone name or whatever. Love it. Yeah. Airdrop too. Send nudes. It was amazing. Oh, that's fun. Well, um, we are back today and talking about you know, something that comes up all the time with our clients, but something that we're noticing a little bit more and more when we're um, connecting with new clients. Um, so we are going to go into today a little bit of like troubleshooting help for anyone who is feeling maybe stuck, uh, frustrated, or just not seeing the progress that they're wanting to. Mm-hmm. So we're calling this episode, Help, I've Tried Everything and Still I'm Not Making Progress. Um, because something we do see is that people sometimes do too much. People try a bunch of different things. They don't really give anything enough time to make the changes that they're hoping to see. So we're going to dive into a few things in terms of actual nutrition, what we see with tracking, and then things like our biofeedback, our stress, our sleep, our recovery, our training, and some of those lifestyle things that we see time and time again, really um, affect and slow down people's rates of progress. Mm -hmm. I literally had a client in a check-in today. She said, I'm still working through this idea that it needs to be hard in Mm -hmm. order to work or Mm -hmm. to be, Mm -hmm. you know, successful. Um, And so today's episode is kind of looking at, okay, it doesn't need to be hard necessarily, but we do need our effort and our expectations to align. And so even if we are feeling like we're doing all the things, Um, often there are some things that we're missing, or like Nicholas said, we're just like not being patient enough. (laughs) Nicholas flexing right now. We're not being patient enough. Um, and yeah, so we'll dive into, let's start with the nutrition things. 
Yes. So, I mean, this could be for people who are tracking macros or not, but let's kind of focus on the tracking pieces that we see a lot of the time. So I guess like from our experience, a lot of this is going to be from what we see with clients, um, but also what we hear from other coaches when we talk to them too. So uh, I think essentially we're framing this largely around like body composition changes or people focusing on weight loss Mm -hmm. for this specific episode. So assuming that you or someone we know is focusing on weight loss or looking to get leaner, but feeling frustrated with where things are at. Some of the first things that we would look at if we were looking at a client is like really how consistent and how accurate are you being with tracking, not just consistently day-to-day numbers are going in, but how accurate are those numbers? Are you estimating more than you are actually like weighing things? Are you eyeballing Um, those kind of things can really throw us off a lot more than I think we would like to admit. Mm -hmm. I think when I think of this, I picture that like tablespoon of peanut butter versus a weighed tablespoon of peanut butter and the tablespoon while like, yeah, it's nice that you weighed it out using a spoon. It's usually like heaping. It's usually way more than an actual serving, but when you weigh it out and you try and get the 15 grams, it's like, oh, it's not a heaping tablespoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that difference, depending on like the types of foods you're eating really, really can add up mm-hmm. to the point where you are completely throwing yourself out of a calorie deficit on a daily basis. Absolutely. So that's, that's looking at using volume measurements instead of weighing, right. As an accuracy piece. Um, another conversation we have around accuracy is what does accuracy actually mean? when it comes to like hitting numbers. So for our clients, we try to get them hitting within about 10 grams of protein and carbohydrate, right? Either way and about five grams of fat. And that's going to be pretty accurate. Okay. If you are a coach who's listening to this, having that conversation with your clients about, okay, what does being accurate with our macros actually look like can be really important because sometimes what the client thinks is accurate isn't necessarily what the coach would consider accurate. Um, And so there's some things to kind of quote unquote, tighten up there when it comes to tracking. Um, And another thing to consider as well is how often you are eating meals out or like having other people or companies prepare meals for you. Um, Because that too, even if there's nutrition information online or nutrition information on the package, right? I think, was it Momo that posted about weighing, like she bought like a pre-made meal and it said it was like this much protein, but then when she weighed it out, it was like way less or something, Mm. right? So obviously that stuff is a little bit out of our control, but we do need to be mindful that if we are doing that quite often, it can throw off accuracy a lot. So the best bet is going to be preparing as much of our food as possible. Right. And I mean, even in with like within that conversation about accuracy, the level of accuracy required for your specific goal is likely going to depend on like your lifestyle, what the actual goal is like someone competing in like a physique or a bodybuilding competition is going to look so much different than someone just looking for like lifestyle body composition changes. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Sarah threw out the kind of general guidelines for like being 10 grams within protein and carbs, um, five grams within fats. But I mean, a gold standard for other people could be like 
nailing it every single day or being within five protein and carbs or within two fats. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of that stuff can be like, you know, a goal to work towards as you go. But if you are brand new to tracking and feeling overwhelmed, like let's not get carried away with like stressing about the accuracy. Cause as we'll talk about later, like stress, depending on, I mean, doesn't depend on where it comes from. Um, stress in general um, is going to definitely impact our progress. So just being mindful about like what accuracy is like actually going to make sense for you and your goals and finding that middle ground where it feels doable and you're not stressing about it, but you are being accurate and consistent with that enough that you can for sure say like, yes, I am in a calorie deficit. Absolutely. Some other things to consider with our nutrition, maybe outside of tracking, um, is looking at food quality. So if we're eating a lot of like highly processed foods, um, or kind of going with that, like if it fits your macros approach where we're not really looking at micronutrient food quality, that kind of stuff that is going to a impact our hunger likely. Okay. Those types of meals aren't going to be as satiating for us. Um, it can affect our digestion, um, and overall just kind of throw off our body's like optimal functioning. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not getting the like full spectrum of micronutrients when you're eating like entirely processed foods. You're also probably way more likely to be having really high amounts of sodium that can off like change your water retention. And oftentimes like you'll see extra bloating, um, you'll see increases to the scale weight and things like that when we're not being mindful of like some of those more like daily recommended amounts of things like sodium, sugar, things like that. Mm -hmm. Fiber, having a fiber target is really helpful um, in ensuring food quality as well. Something we do for most of our clients. Um, What else here? Uh, I also thought alcohol is a big one too. I mean, a lot of us will we'll think like, yeah, we're being super accurate with food, but if you're not also considering alcohol in that, um, you can easily, easily throw yourself out of a calorie deficit with a few drinks Mm -hmm. because I don't think people recognize like just how many calories are in alcohol. So we absolutely recommend tracking it and being mindful and depending on the person, depending on the goal, you might have to put a cap on that or limit your intake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really helpful, especially when you look at the kind of cause and effect of alcohol. I don't know too many people who have a few drinks and then they're like, yeah, let's go like crush a plate of veggies. Yeah. It's usually like, <laughs> Hey, I've had a few drinks. Oh, we're ordering nachos. Sick. Let's yeah. go. Absolutely. And it affects our training output in the subsequent days. You know, it. um, alcohol intake in itself can affect our ability to recover and to build muscle and all of that kind of stuff outside of just the calories that come with it. Right. So there's a lot of like variables there that come with consuming alcohol. And again, that doesn't mean that we have to cut it out completely. Okay. Some people might need to, again, depending on the level of their goals, but being mindful and building some um, more supportive habits around alcohol intake can be really, really helpful when it comes to making progress. And then when we're tracking alcohol as well, this could be a quick podcast epi actually, but we wanna make sure we are tracking it as carbs or fats or both um, and not just tracking the calories, okay? Because that can often get thrown off a lot. We'll see people 
just track the calories, but then they're still hitting their macros, which means they're actually going over their calories. Um, so that's something to consider also. Yeah. Love a good patio beer, but can't have them every day. Most likely. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Do we want to, oh, meal timing and mindfulness. Those were the last two kind of on this list. Um, so with meal timing, um, this is definitely like higher on the pyramid when it looks at, when we look at like hierarchy of priorities. Um, but if our meal timing is really thrown off and we're going super long periods of time without eating, if we're not being mindful around eating around our training, that can definitely affect our hunger. Um, it can cause us to make less aligned decisions. If we're getting to that point where we're just like so hangry, um, and can impact our recovery and our, uh, adaptations in the gym as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the time I think about it, like if you're not necessarily like feeling appropriate for your appropriately for your workouts on a consistent basis, you're less likely to go into the gym and train with intention, train with purpose and intensity, and therefore not really get the stimulus you're looking for out of the workout. Or on the flip side, if you are, and then you're not eating after the workout, you're not to put pressure on like that window of gains, but there is substantial evidence that we do want to be eating a quality carb and protein source within a reasonable amount of time post-workout in order to <clears throat> help the muscle protein synthesis process, building muscles, um, but also to replenish our glycogen stores and have us feeling able to like carry on with the day again without as many of those energy fluctuations that we might see otherwise. Absolutely. So that was one. And then the last one we had on this list was just being mindful when we are eating. And this is a practice that I think when we're tracking macros, sometimes we move away from because we become more dependent on the app telling us, you know, what and when to eat. Um, but if we are working towards more of like a intuitive approach or a balanced approach to eating, we do want to make sure and this is a good practice for literally everyone, um, that we are being mindful when we are eating. So that means things like eating without distractions, chewing your food fully. Um, if you need to, one, one of my clients were working on just like putting her fork down multiple times throughout a meal, because I think we've all been there where we've just like shoveled food into our mouth until it's gone, like out of a Tupperware container. I do that all the time. Um, so things like that, where we're just slowing down the process, taking a few breaths, kind of checking in with our hunger, all of that kind of stuff can be really supportive in digestion and helping us feel full in, you know, our relationship with food and making this something that's sustainable outside of just tracking macros, especially. Yeah, for sure. It's a really good life skill that translates far beyond any like macro tracking, Absolutely. especially if you are someone who's like experienced sensitivities with different foods too. being able to pay attention to like what is actually in the bowl of food that you're eating and how do you feel before, during and after things mm -hmm. like that can also be a part of mindfulness that can be a really great practice to establish for yourself. Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's move on. So that was like a few nutrition pieces to think about. Let's look more into biofeedback now, and let's start with everyone's favorite topic, stress. I love stress. 
I love stress. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, stress is one I think that goes like kind of unchecked for a lot of people, especially if you're not working with a coach. You can have your macros really dialed in, but if stress is like way out of control, it is going to be harder for you to see the progress that you're hoping to make mm -hmm. um, because stress impacts so many of our other systems. Stress is going to impact your energy, going to impact your digestion. It's going to impact your recovery and adaptation from training, all sorts of things, not to mention like your mental capacity and this idea of like being all or nothing can be pretty closely tied to stress as well. And hunger. Mm -hmm, stress mm -hmm. affects hunger a lot stress right eating, especially yeah, yeah. when we look at like emotional eating so stress has a direct and indirect role on our body comp progress through the hormonal um, adaptations that happen when we have chronically high stress um, and that's direct impacts on you know thyroid function our hunger hormones all of that kind of stuff but also that indirect kind of piece, like Nicholas said, in terms of like our mental capacity and our ability to remain consistent and to make aligned decisions in those high stress situations, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of branches that come out of that one. Yeah. It can get pretty messy, but I think sometimes when we are dealing with high stress or working with clients with high stress, sometimes it's nice to be able to break those kind of stressors down. We've got a bunch of different exercises we, we use, but we also like to talk a lot about like where the stressors are coming from and what the people can actually do to change them. Because like stress management is a really nice like term. We all want to think we've got it in place, but some things in life are going to be stressors that you can't really control. So if we're looking at stress as a, as a whole, trying to categorize things like what is in your control, what can you do something about, what is out of your control right now, and what is in your control, but you don't want to do anything about too, mm -hmm. I think is a big one that we see. Um, and if you can be really honest with yourself and identify the areas that you have control over, then we can actually start working and we can put in different strategies, we can have different conversations and we can do small small things to help overcome that stress, reduce it, or maybe even eliminate it entirely. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to do anything crazy most times. Um, and I think if we do try and tackle things like all at once, sometimes we can start to like stress about the stress. Absolutely. <laughs> Not no one's favorite thing to do. No. Um, but then that gives you kind of like an energy or like focus capacity kind of like reserve to actually dedicate to the things in your life that are causing stress right now that you don't have as much control over. Mm -hmm whether that's like a big life event. Um, I've got a few clients who are moving right now. And so that's like a stress that they're just, they have to kind of deal with right now. And so looking to reduce their stressors in other areas has been really helpful. So looking at like, if making meals throughout the week seems stressful, well, they've also got lots going on. We're really focusing on like, how can we make meal prep at the beginning of the week easier so that it carries forward throughout the rest of the week. So for some people, if they have the means, that means like ordering a meal through a meal prep service. For other people, it's like doing a huge batch, like um, bulk food prep and just having food available so that they're not um, as prone to like ordering out or skipping meals. Mm -hmm. So many different things that we can do around stress 
Stress is an interesting one because I feel like our society glorifies stress. Like the busier you are, the more, yeah, like the more you're doing, the the more you're filling your time with like extra tasks, like the more worthy you are as a human. And so we're used to, I notice this a lot, make a note for this for a podcast episode, because I notice this a lot in Europe they are not as obsessed with like self-development and like, you know, being so busy all the time. Like they are the Kings and Queens of chilling and enjoying (laughs) the present moment. And it's just like such a different lifestyle over there. So, um, anyways, that's a tangent for another day, but even something as simple as taking five minutes a day to just breathe and try to regulate your nervous system a little bit, slow down your breathing, slow down your heart rate, and just have that moment to yourself can make such a difference in the way that you approach your day, approach those stressful situations. Um, And for those things that are out of our control, you know, having kids, having those life transitions, work stress, all of those things, being sick those might be out of our control, but we still do have some control over the way that we are thinking about them and navigating them. Right. And so reminding yourself of that, um, and working on building that kind of growth mindset and resilience through those situations is really, really supportive. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of cool research on stress mindset itself and how people navigate stressors, whether they understand that stress is an an inevitable part of life and instead of fearing it or worrying about it or trying to do everything in our power to avoid it we can spend that time and energy building skills so that when it does happen which it will we feel much more prepared and confident to tackle it knowing that we can get through it and sometimes that stress can actually improve us um, Mm -hmm. make us better encourage our own growth And certainly that's not every case. There's a lot of stressful things that I wish I could just like press a pause button or use like the erase on and make go away. Um, But really having those like little things we can do for ourselves, like Sarah said, um, taking five minutes here and there can be really powerful in terms of managing our overall stress and helping us make progress. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the next piece that we had here, which ties closely with stress and that is sleep, um, sleep and recovery. Okay. Because a lot of times we'll see people, you know, they're doing all the right things. They're tracking their macros. They're being consistent. They're being accurate. They are, you know, doing things to help manage their stress, but they're sleeping five, six hours a night. Um, and so sleep is another stressor that has a million arms and a ton of like confounding factors that it affects, right? Sleep is going to affect our hunger. Sleep is going to affect our stress resilience. It's going to affect our energy. It's going to affect our training output and our recovery. It affects so many things. And I think most of us can relate to those days where we've had a shit sleep and the smallest inconvenience, like seems like the biggest deal or like, we are so hungry throughout the day, no matter how much we eat, like that kind of stuff, right? It's because sleep is so tied into so many of those different systems in our body. Um, So if you're not prioritizing improving your sleep quality and quantity, that would definitely be one of like the first places to start, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good one um, because it is like such a universal charge. Like, I don't think there's anyone out there who couldn't benefit from having like a really great night's sleep, right? Absolutely. It's also free. There's yeah. no charge to improving your sleep. Will it require effort and potentially some adjustments to lifestyle and things like that? Absolutely. Um, but when we're looking at, you know, what's out there in terms of things we can do to improve our health, our fitness, our progress, sleep is by far like the most far reaching, most powerful, and for lack of a better term, like easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you going to say? I, I was just gonna brain say, waves going to say, I was just going to say, if we're looking at like some tangible things to consider, um, when we're looking at sleep quantity, just giving yourself more time in bed. Um, so sometimes that looks like setting out clothes or packing your food for the next day, the night of, or the night before, so that you can sleep in a little bit. Um, it might look like changing your workout schedule if possible, um, getting to bed a little bit earlier, maybe watching one episode instead of four before (laughs) bed, you know, those types of things. Um, but then when it looks when we're looking at sleep quality, did I say quality before I meant quantity? I don't know. Um, remember what you said. Anyways, when we're looking at sleep quality, we really want to be mindful of what we're doing the half hour to hour before bedtime. Um, so potentially making some adjustments there around screen time, um, any like activities that you're doing at that time and really trying to give yourself some time to wind down as well as caffeine intake. Um, so those are like a few tangible things to be looking at there. What's that? Is it called revenge bed, revenge bedtime procrastination? Yes. Yes. I have seen that come up in so many client check-ins over the past few months. Um, if you're not familiar with the term, it's this idea that we have so much on our plate during the day and nighttime or like around that bedtime hour seems to be the only time of day that we can really like do those things for ourselves and enjoy alone time or enjoy some like relaxation because it's the only time we're not scheduled or booked. And so instead of using that time to wind down and go to bed, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I'll use it to get ahead for tomorrow or do my chores or watch all the Netflix or stay up late, you know, reading, even if it's like a a good habit, we can use that those hours to be doing things as like a way to procrastinate going to bed. Yeah. And while I can fully understand that, especially like I have some moms who feel like that once their kids are in bed, they're like, yes, this is me time. Mm -hmm. I want to use it because it's the only time for me that that will impact our sleep and that will impact like our recovery, our energy the next day and kind of like creates a little bit of a spiral. Um, It becomes like a never ending cycle in terms of being tired and then wanting to stay up because you're you needing that alone time and yeah it's it's a little evil it's tough and I I would argue maybe your clients are different but I would argue that the majority of that that is happening is not time spent on like productive or like supportive things it's mostly like watching tv or scrolling instagram that is like what I see more with my clients (laughs) and that is just like again that's a way to like numb and to like just kind of decompress for a lot of people. Um, but we really need to look at like, okay, how is this, or is this not supporting like my overall 
well-being, right? Um, and so a kind of, if that is you right now, somewhere I like to encourage my clients to start is, okay, if you're staying up, you know, this late and you want to go to say there's two hours difference between where you want to be going to bed and where you're currently going to bed. Can we start with like a half hour increase or like, fuck, I'm, I'm like decreasing the window with my hand. (laughs) She's very handsy right now. Can we, if we want to go to bed at 10, but we're currently going to bed at midnight, can we start with trying to get to bed by 1130? Right. So that it's not as big of a jump. Um, and like slowly work on that habit. And then you can push it back and back and back even further, um, over time, because Mm -hmm. I think the thought of completely giving up that time alone is just like not realistic for a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, I can understand that too. And so we've had the conversation between me and clients. If you're not willing to like give up that time um, and try and go to bed earlier, let's change the focus and like really the goal of that time. Mm -hmm. And so like Sarah said, it can help move you out of those kind of like useless habits that those kind of like numbing things. And I don't think the time has to be spent productively. I think I would rather see clients like do kind of like rejuvenating, relaxing self-care type activities. Um, And for a lot of people, those with partners have decided like, okay, that's going to be my dedicated, like quality time. And often that turns into like a lot more intimacy and some like really great relationship care in those hours. Um, I mean, I can speak for Brandon and I, if we are having like a day where we've been really, really busy and overscheduled, it's so easy to like have dinner, throw Netflix on, and then both of us look up from our phones an hour later and be like, oh, sup, you still here? Yeah. <laughs> so having some boundaries around things like that and really making it a, a mini goal every night to like have a conversation, check in with each other, or to schedule like your own activities within that so that you both kind of like have a little bit of accountability there can be really good. Yeah. Super, super helpful for sure. Can do that too. If you have like roommates or something, even if you don't have a partner per se, um, if there's someone else in your life that is working towards similar things can be a great way to hold you accountable in that. Absolutely. Um, okay, well let's move on. We've got a couple more considerations here. We'll maybe just kind of go through these ones really quickly so we can wrap today's epi up. Um, but we had some training considerations. Um, I think probably the biggest one we see here is like over quote unquote overtraining. Um, and what that looks like and what we mean by that is just training too much and at too high of an intensity for the calorie intake that you were currently at. Okay. So we need to remember that when we were in our, when we're in a calorie deficit, if we are pursuing body composition change or weight loss, we're in a calorie deficit. We are not going to be able to support training at the same intensity, load, and volume as we would at maintenance or in a surplus. Okay. But we see people pursue a calorie deficit and not make changes to their training. um, And that can cause a lot of different issues, injury, sleep disturbances, so many different things. Um, so that's something to be mindful of maybe making an adjustment in those, um, volume load intensity. Um, and then also doing too much cardio way too much cardio. Yeah. Way too much and not enough focus on resistance training. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I see this a lot in my CrossFit athletes too, who are like wanting to go balls out for every like Metcon or conditioning piece. But we see when we like look at their training logs or how they're feeling, they're really not progressing when it comes to the strength pieces. And so a lot of times, especially like this is for those in the deficit, we really want to talk about like getting the most out of the resistance piece and using the Metcon sometimes as like just a way to get your body moving and maybe scaling down the RPE. Yeah. Scaling down the weight, you know, um, mixing in some like low intensity, steady state cardio, you know, those types of things. Um, this goes back to the conversation of like, more is not always better. No, harder is not always rarely, better. especially in a deficit. deficit. Yeah. So, um, being mindful of your training load and volume, um, and making some adjustments there is something to consider if you feel like lots of other things are on point, um, and you're not quite seeing the results that you want. Yeah. It also links back to that conversation we had around stress. And I think a lot of people forget that training is a major stress on our body. It's a physical stress, so we don't feel it the same. And I think for a lot of people who have that mindset that like training is my therapy, like that's how I get all my frustrations out or like I need it for my mental health. Like that's great. And I'm so excited that fitness is like something that lights people up but it cannot be our only outlet because that's like a really, really quick way to burn ourselves out and overdo it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So some adjustments there to make potentially. Um, Okay. And then the last little piece we had here were just some lifestyle considerations. Um, So things like what is our preparation and like forethought ahead of time for, you know, our day-to-day, but also things like social situations, travel, et cetera, right? If we are not preparing ahead of time and we're tracking as we go or, you know, just kind of winging it, there's probably going to be a lack of accuracy and consistency. Um, that's going to definitely affect progress as well as potentially some added stress right? Just from not having a plan. The likelihood of like having those oopsie days goes up a lot. And like, those are, that's life. Like those kind of things are going to happen. We can't always control or plan for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference could be if you were someone who had meal prep and then you got invited out to go for like a day hike, you have that meal prep to bring with you versus being like, oh, we have to stop at Tim Hortons to get, you know, something on the way out. Like it does make a big difference and still allow, yeah, your face. Yeah. Tim Hortons Hortons is just like gross. I know it is, but that was the first thing I thought of. But like that, that kind of stuff, that planning ahead really makes a huge difference in terms of what, flexibility and structure actually look like for you it doesn't have to be something where you're so regimented that you have to say no to all of these things you can absolutely say yes that just extra prep ahead of time or those considerations and planning just really allow you to meet your goals more effectively while also living life Mm -hmm. and that moves into this next piece that you wrote here of just like being so focused on the goal that we're not enjoying anything else, you know, um, that can kind of backfire on us. And we see that a lot when we're like hyper fixated on the scale and stuff like that. Right. We, in those situations by default, that often leads to, again, more stress, you know, um, those types of things that are going to make 
the process itself less enjoyable um, and ultimately affect our consistency and our ability to sustain the changes that we're trying to make, et cetera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's like a, a pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pretty common pattern to see someone wanting to lose weight, focusing on doing everything perfectly, stressing about it, not seeing progress and then thinking, okay, I'm not doing enough. Let's do more. Right. Let's eat less. Let's train more. Let's, you know, say no to more. Let's do all of the things. Let's take different supplements. And all of a sudden you are overdoing it and you're not actually able to control for the variables that really matter. Or you get so frustrated with the lack of progress that you're like, well, this didn't work for me. I'm going to move on to something else. And you're not being patient enough or giving that one thing the time it takes, which is guaranteed way longer than you want it to be yeah. to actually work. Absolutely. Um, one other thing we had on here was only focusing on one measure of progress. Okay. So if we are only focusing on the scale or our body comp as a measure of progress, um, that's going to probably stall things a bit. Cause like Nicholas said, it takes a fucking long time. Um, and there are so many other benefits from changing our habits that if we're focused on those as well, it makes the process a lot more enjoyable. And we did a full, podcast episode on non-scale measures of progress. You can refer back to that one if you're needing some love in that area. Um, but that's another one. And then one thing we didn't have on this list too is not dieting forever, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something to consider as well of, hey, if you're not progressing and you've had all these things in check and you've been doing this forever, maybe it's time to pursue a maintenance phase um, or pursue like a muscle building phase. Um, and pull yourself out of that calorie deficit. Um, I mean, if you've been dieting forever, chances are you're not actually in a deficit anyways. That's true. Yes. <laughs> that's, that could be another podcast episode. Um, yeah. What we see with that is usually, okay, so you're in a deficit. Maybe your calories are like 14, 1500. You're hitting those three, four times a week. And then the rest of the days you're either not tracking or you're not adding everything or you're not being like super accurate with that, or, you know, you're having periods of overeating or overconsuming um, or binge type tendencies, and you're not accounting for those. Right. And your overall calorie intake is actually averaging at like 18 to 2000 plus per day. Right. Even though the tracking days you're around 1500, that's often what we see in that for sure. Yeah. Yeah lots of patterns but yeah. if you are listening to this and you're like whoop that's me whoop I got some stuff to work on again let's remember that we don't need to overhaul our life in one day and maybe mm -hmm. take one or two pieces that you can slowly start to incorporate or focus a little bit more on and once you feel really solid in those they're feeling very intuitive then you can start tackling mm -hmm. another area absolutely so many different things that we can get caught up in, but really small changes are going to add up. So keep that in mind. And yeah, was there anything else? I mean, no, I think that's a, a pretty good overview for like the most common stuff anyways, before we yeah. get like nitpicky. Absolutely. Oh, I can nitpick all day. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay, well, why don't we end with a fuck yes and fuck no? Okay. 
You've got a fuck yes. I'm I do really have a excited fuck yes. to share. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So my fuck yes is being able to throw toilet paper <laughs> in the toilet. <laughs> because in Greece, you are not allowed to throw toilet paper in the toilet. Even if you take a shit, you got to throw that toilet paper in the garbage bin. And, you know, we take that for granted, being able to flush that down the toilet here. Um, is that just so that's they have, like nice. old plumbing? Yeah, their, their plumbing just like can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a few places in Italy like that too. Um, and yeah, I mean, everything in Europe is so old. <laughs> like it is, it's so old. Our country, it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying like, I'm just, there I'm laughing people yeah, there for the so obvious. much longer than Canada. Like our yes, country correct. is so fucking new. Well, the colonial, yes. the colonial peeps are. Absolutely um yeah I know it just is crazy so and having being able to drink out of the tap mm. is something we take for granted yeah 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 That is because there was a few thing. times we like got home from drinking and <gasps> we didn't have any bottled water <gasps> left in the hotel so oh, I'd be no. like Brad you need to go find us some bottled water like ASAP oh god <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true. those are my fuck yeses yeah not having to use a shit bucket. I just watched a Broad City episode about that. It was Amazing. a good one. Um, <laughs> my fuck knows. Uh, I got a new self-tanner. It's 10 out of 10. It's a fuck yes. But no matter how hard I try, I can't not have these weird orange hands. <laughs> And when you have like big calluses too, they like dye the calluses orange. So I look like I've been playing in like clay all day. That's hilarious. Um, What tanner is it? That's pretty minor. Uh, Salty Face. Okay. It's a Canadian company. They're like out of Vancouver, I think. Very good. I love it. It's it's nice. Nice. Um, And I can almost perfectly put it on by myself there's like one spot on my back that I, I either I do it and I'm just like fuck that spot's not getting tanned or I have to wait till Brandon comes home to do it hilarious I haven't used self-tanner since like I was in like high school and it was like that Jergens. yeah and it was like, shitty and smelled terrible it smelled so bad it but like kind clothes. of good no it didn't smell oh, good I don't know I like it, you could thing. tell it was working yeah <laughs> yeah yes. and yeah yeah so that's the thing but very minor in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> not a big round today well let's wrap it up then okay that was not bad for our first podcast at be back in like a month not as rambly as as it could have been is that what you mean i don't know i guess we'll see when i go to edit it and listen and by edit it i mean cut off the beginning and cut off the end so that it lines up with the music i never like go in and like (laughs) change anything maybe that's something in the future i know that people do that but unfiltered that'd be hard though because it it feels like the things we'd want to cut out are so like mishmashed into like the really insightful pieces well yeah and it's like I would also have to listen to ourselves for like 45 <laughs> minutes and that just does not sound fun. Yeah. That's why you so. hire someone to do that shit. Yeah, exactly. We we're, help us. We're poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For now we're going with the unfiltered, uncut, Welcome. totally raw. 
gross okay (laughs) let's wrap it up there (laughs) goodbye bye everybody